Hey everybody, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 154, June of 2022. This month marks a first for On Stage, Off Stage. We have three guests who are gracing the pod waves, Joshua Farden, Patricia Mario, and Connie Koontz. All three are members of the Chicago branch of Naked Angels, a multi-city theatrical organization that builds community using various programs. Through a mutual longtime colleague, I discovered Tuesdays at 9 of the Chicago branch a few months back and started attending their weekly online gatherings. Joshua Farden and Patricia Mario are the creative directors, and Connie Kuntz is the musical director. Essentially, before we talk about the Chicago branch, it's probably essential that I talk about the Naked Angels Theater Company, like Absolutely, where that yeah. came from. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a company that was started in the mid-1980s in Manhattan. Um, and in the early 1990s, uh, there were two playwrights from that company uh, named uh, Pippin Parker and Frank Pugliese, who in response to the first Gulf War um, had some actor people who they knew over to their place to read uh, just five short plays about the Gulf War and the political climate of that time. Um, sure. uh, and uh, they kept doing that every Tuesday at nine o'clock and they uh, kept doing it after the war ended and they're still doing it. Um, you know, of course it went into a theater and it became a regular thing there and they're now in their 31st year. So um, that is where this whole thing came from. It's now the longest running uh, cold reading series in the United States. Um, there was a Tuesdays at nine that started in 2003 in Los Angeles. And I started going to that one in um, 2009. Um, I, had, I was living in LA, I had heard about it. I knew a lot of people who were involved in it, but I didn't actually show up until 2009. And then I think I, I showed up for a couple of times and then started coming as a regular in like 2010 or 11. And Patricia, you started uh, coming there in like 2012 which I remember very specifically because Patricia and I met there and got married. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, then, um, yay. And then uh, we moved to Chicago uh, in 2015 from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, there was a Naked Angels uh, Tuesdays at nine that started in Miami in 2016. And uh, we started the one in Chicago at the Annoyance Theater uh, in 2018. So, um, yeah, that's what uh, that's where it came from. We have been going ever since then. Um, for the first two years that we did it, we did it straight through the year without any break except for for Christmas. Um, so for two weeks. Uh, so we've done quite a few shows. I think at this point we've done 163 wow. um, different. That's every uh, week, huh? Yeah, every week. So it's every week, five writers, five different writers present uh, 10 minutes or 10 pages. Sometimes it's like 10 to 15 minutes of, of material that's hopefully new or that's something that they're working on at the time. Um, and, uh, and they put it in front of a live audience. And just as you said, uh, the actors uh, in the live version, the actors show up at 8.30 and they are uh, cast at 8.30 and there's no rehearsal. You have no time to rehearse. You're thrown in front of a live audience and you have to make sense of this thing and read it with other people. Um, and the writer's there to get angry at you if you mess it up. And uh, <laughs> so, so uh, it, it's it's we don't do what we don't do because we're doing five writers a night and because we don't want it to you know run longer than right. all three installments of the godfather we we try to keep it um uh we try to uh keep uh any feedback at a minimum or we don't have any feedback actually we just move on to the next thing once it's done the idea of this as opposed to some other um readings of stuff where you actually discuss the material afterwards is that uh what we want the writer to experience is an actual audience feedback loop is an actual like and also just to hear the thing read by people like it's like sure. the idea is that you're there's a sandbox and you're working on something you don't know if it works you you want to see if it works, you want to try it, you want to see what works and what doesn't, and then you put it in front of a bunch of people, and maybe you thought it was hilarious, and it was cracking you up while you were writing it, and now nobody is laughing. Mm. And you know that the actors are good, and nobody's laughing, and that's painful, but this is like, you know, the stakes are pretty low. You know, we're a kind group. Um, we'll still invite you back, and we, uh, and uh, uh, so... 
that is the purpose of it more than anything else. As a writer, it really demands that you be vigorously honest with yourself in terms of, is this actually working? Um, And you, of course, can discuss it with people afterwards. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that, you know, on your own privately. But but we don't do like a direct feedback uh, discussion of anything. So... That's what it is. And I also would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, for Connie's sake, too, we have a break in the middle where we have a musical gu- musical guest or a comedy guest. Uh, last night we had a comedy guest. but um, uh, So uh, we try to keep the whole thing really fun. We try to make it like sort of a party atmosphere. It's free. Um, anybody can join. Um, inclusivity is incredibly important to us. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, that, and... Uh, that may seem a little counterintuitive um, because, you know, this is one of the things that really impressed me about it in L.A., just the idea that anybody could wander off the street and then suddenly be cast. You know, they, they could have a script thrown on them and then go up on stage. You would think that that would mean that you get a lot of terrible um, you'd get terrible uh, readings of stuff. Also scripts, anybody can submit a script. We don't like, you know, oh, you have to be a member of our writing team or something. You would think that that would mean that most of the scripts we get are awful. That is just not ever been my experience with this. In fact, the quality of everything goes way up. The more you open your doors and the more you allow anyone in, um, the better everything gets. I don't know why that is, but it's consistently true. Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of like, you know, um, last night at our show, I'm just, I, it just really, it strikes you like a gong, how talented everybody is. It's just like, wow. I mean, it's incredible. And it's not like we went out and, you know, sat and said, Oh, you must audition for us. Or, you know, we, there's not, not a lot of gatekeeperism in other words. Um, but very, uh, very, uh, open. That was one of the things that struck me when I first started joining folks online was, a, the quality of the scripts, which I thought were across the board excellent, mm-hmm. and quality of the of the acting, especially since it's you know, cold readings are dicey, and you know, like you alluded to, the first fear is, oh my god, what if the script sucks, or oh my gosh, what if somebody can't read? And mm-hmm. I've had, I know I've had my stuff read by people who've had the script for a while. And on a couple of occasions, the readings were less than stellar, um, mm-hmm. cringeworthy in, <laughs> in a couple of spots. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's the risk most of us take. But I've been in other situations where we take scripts by lottery. Yeah. Right? And we pick out whatever we pick out and we run with it. And 98% of the time, it's ticket worthy. It's... Uh, the, the, the scripts are excellent. The audience loves it. There's, there's, there's a certain professionalism and a certain adventurism to what we get. And that was the kind of thing I, f- I found with, with Tuesdays at 9. Um, and yet it's still one of those things where I, where I talk to people who are unfamiliar with this sort of, we've got to vet your stuff just to make sure it's good so it doesn't suck, so, you know, whatever. And the things I come up with most of the time is, well, who's going to sit around and tell me what's good and what's not? And because what I think is crap, somebody else is going to love. Well, one one thing I I learned in grad school, um, you know, there were like we would it was a little bit like boot camp where I went mm-hmm. to school, and it was, so it was like uh, you had to. Um, there were certain plays that you would be working on that you would rehearse over and over and over. And like, you know, it was, it was the big deal play. And then there was another thing they had called the cabaret. Um, And the cabaret was uh, rehearsed at 12 o'clock at night after everything else was done, your classes and all the other stuff. So the rehearsals would start at midnight. You would have less than two weeks to put on, whatever was being put on um, for that particular show, which just ran one weekend and it had to be staged in costume off book and you were exhausted rehearsing it and you had very little time to make decisions about it. Because of that, 
you didn't question the decisions that you made. You made strong choices because you had to, um, and you committed to those choices because you had to. You didn't let your intellect get so much in your own way. And I think that that is part of what we experience uh, with cold reading. Um, you know, people are throwing up on stage, your adrenaline's going, you know, like you dive in. And once you dive in, it's a little bit exhilarating, but it's like um, you make those kinds of choices. Am I right, Patricia? Yes, very right. <laughs> uh, personally, I I try not to read too much. Uh, you know, I try not to put my cast myself only because not only, but mostly because I want to give other people the opportunity to be up there. And secondly, because I am super scared of cold readings and I am completely dyslexic and English is not my first language. So when I stare at a page and I see all these letters, you know, my brain goes, la, 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 la. And, uh, but I uh, do it anyway. And sometimes it's great. <laughs> sometimes it's not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, a tricky situation for a lot of people. So I appreciate it. I appreciate people going up there and, Oh, no, no, no. It's, yeah, it, it definitely takes either a great amount of stones or an unbelievable lack of, I don't know, ego or something. I don't know what it is, but to go up there and pitch something that you've only just gotten, right, and to make it, to make it happen. I mean, we, the, last, the phenomenon for the past five, seven years, I think it was, what was it, White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, where the person, the actor, it's a one-person show, got the script as they were walking onto the stage and they opened the envelope. All right. And they were supposed to perform this hour long piece with having no idea what was going on. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's the same thing on a, on a massive scale, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's tricky to walk on and do material you're not familiar with. Patricia, how do you manage the casting with that? Is it first come, first serve? Do you pick and choose? I mean, how much time do you give the scripts before you start dishing so them out to the unexpected? Yeah. Um, basically, when we are live, we do it, right, you know, like as, as people, as we get there, we look through the, the scripts. Uh, Josh has gotten the scripts ahead of time. So we know a little bit about the characters. So we just wait to see who shows up basically. And my system is instincts, you know, who do I think would be good for this part and who is there? Because every time there's some new people. So um, sometimes we don't know the people who are there and we have no idea what they can do. So we uh, give them a chance. We just like, okay, let's see what this person can do. Here's a part. Let's see what happens. But uh, I think my instincts are really, really good. <laughs> and I've managed to make my writers very happy. So, uh, and yeah, we do it on the spot. Uh, there's not a lot of thinking. It's quick. It, you know, it happens within a matter of 20 minutes because, you know, people, yeah. people are late. Sometimes we don't know who's going to show up. Sometimes we wait to see a little bit. Oh, maybe this part would be great for so-and-so. Let's see if they show up. So, you know, it just really uh, varies between each week and, you know, depending on who we get. Sure, no, yeah. I, That's my crazy system. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's I, I, I think it's a system with a lot of validation. When I was, when I first started directing, which is a thing I, I wanted to do, and then I realized that writing was also a passion. Um, I was told by someone much more experienced than I was that the most critical part of any production is casting. Right? And there are people who walk into an audition room and they blow us away and they step on a stage in rehearsal and they're not what you expected. And it works the other way around as usual. So it comes down to instinct and it comes down to sometimes to gut feeling, you know, and, and you're taking a chance. Yeah. A lot of times it really does pay off. It's these chances that we take with this theater because everything up there is an experiment you know the script is an experiment and the person playing you know hamlet or guinevere or whoever it happens to be that's an experiment that night depending upon how they feel and how good they are with the material um and i think that's a large part of the thrill that we 
kind of go out there and seek all the time because theater is a thrill. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's um, it's an adventure every single time. Connie, because you've been talking so much lately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the musical guests. Um, the number of musical guests that I've seen, which are probably four or five, when you guys are still online, were outstanding. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. How do you find these folks and how do you get them to keep coming back? I mean, because sitting down there, I was, I was, I was just, I want to see more of this person. And I pretty much said that every week. So. You have got- well, first of all, thank you for that. What? And secondly, it's because Tuesdays at night is so great that the musicians want to be a part of it as well. Yeah. I get a lot of recommendations from the musicians themselves, also from Joshua Farden. And I do a fair amount of recruiting. I'm not afraid to get on my feet and go see their shows, mm-hmm. do my research. I'm a former reporter, so I like to look people up and know what I'm looking at when I meet them. And I think it matters to them that I care and see them, not just for the event, but as an artist their whole life. Cool. Um, do you have a? Do you ever have to go look for people to, to to fill the gap on the show, or do you have more than you can handle? I don't have more than I can handle. I would love more. I don't have to look that far anymore mm-hmm. because we do have such a great reputation. But I do want more musicians and comedians and people who combine the two. Okay. Yeah, because including you, George. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, as soon as I learn to play something, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> the guitar on the back, that's a prop. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best way to get everybody at my parties to go home is for me to walk out with the guitar. Hi. Um, <laughs> do you have musical talent yourself? Have you ever performed? I am not a talented person. It is the biggest irony of my life. I cannot sing, act, dance. I'm a writer and I'm extroverted and hugely creative, but as far as the classic talents, it's a, well, you know what I'm saying though. You don't want to hear me saying. Very talented writer as well. Thank you. But I, 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 you don't want to see me on the stage. Let's put it that way. Well, that's not true. I've put, uh, I've put Kanye on stage acting many times and she has been great every time. So being a little bit humble there. So it's See, not now you're making me not 100% true. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> it's true. One of the things I, I really liked about Tuesdays at nine in your group was what you just demonstrated right here was uh, it's the friendship, the support. Because um, as we know, theater can be a little bit, you know, competitive and somebody got their nose out of joint because they you know, for whatever reason. And I found it to be a very warm, very inviting, very, as I said, supportive um, group. And it just seemed like so much fun. Um, and I feel a little bit like I've been cheated because you guys went back to in-person. Right. Okay, when I found you, you were online. And managing, well, how many people were you getting online per week? It varied. It varied. Uh, but most of the time, I would say as an average, we'd be about 35. That's a lot um, for, for For most of the time. Um, there were, I think the least we ever had, well, the least we ever had was our first online show, which I was happy to have anybody, uh, which was uh, 16. And then uh, outside of that, the least we ever had, I think was maybe like 22 or 23. And the most we ever had was, I think at one point we had like 55 or something. Um, But but for the most part, it would be in the 30s, like 30 to 35 range. Okay. That's a decent crowd, especially for online. I mean, it's... Not everybody's comfortable with Zoom. Yeah. And most people, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, at least a lot of the ones that I've spoken to, have all said the same thing. I cannot wait to get back to real theater. And they classify Zoom as unreal theater, which after two years of this, right, of, of watching you folks do what you do and being a part of other groups where I'm meeting people from around the world and we're getting together and doing readings and doing theater... 
I consider this real theater. I don't consider it the theater that we're used to, the, the, the whole rehearsal room, four or five weeks of getting together and forgetting lines until opening night. Um, and then the, you know, the joy of having audiences, real life people out there. But this is where theater has taken us. And this is what we have adapted to and we're highly adaptable. And it's Tuesdays at nine started in person. Then you went online and that was for how long? Uh, it happened in uh, March of 2020, and we were online for two years. Okay. Uh, and it was, yeah, entirely due to COVID. Um, sure. Our intention when we closed down the live show because of COVID, mm -hmm. I thought that we're just going to stop until this thing is over. And, of course, nobody at the time knew that it was, I mean, there were, People who were saying this could be a long ride, but you're sort of hoping that it wouldn't still sure. at that point be that way. Um, and uh, I wrote some kind of meant to inspire you blurb on our Instagram and uh, thought, well, that's it. And uh, the next like a week and a half went by and there was a writer, really wonderful writer uh, for uh Tuesdays at nine named Ian Miles Kessler, who is also uh, at the time on the staff of a Chicago dramatist who was hosting us at the time. And he called me and said, you need to do this online. We've got to do it on Skype or something uh, because people need it. And uh, I was like, I don't know how we do that. I think he called me on a Monday and uh, it was Tuesday the next day, so our next uh, decision was to call Connie and her husband, Jesse, to help us out because uh, they have experience with this kind of thing. And uh, we all started working together um, and threw together a show on Skype, which is the one I was talking about before that. It's 16 people. Uh, don't recommend Skype is a big meeting uh, format. It was yeah. not it was not good. No offense to Skype, but uh, 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 but it was just incredible for us to see each other at that point thinking that we weren't going to. So the next week we went on to Zoom. Uh, Chicago Dramatist very graciously allowed us to use their Zoom account, which had a lot more flexibility than my, you know, low end account. And uh, and uh, we started doing it uh, every week after that. Um, one of the things that I was not ready for in terms of the Zoom environment, I hadn't even really given much thought was how many people like yourself who we would attract not only from all over the country, but from different countries. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we had a, a writer uh, from uh, New Zealand. Uh, at one point we had a writer from London with an actor from Tokyo doing reading their work. Mm -hmm. And while we were in Chicago, um, yeah. there's a really wonderful writer uh, from London, Tasman Jahan, who uh, uh, stays up until like, <laughs> I mean, I think this whole thing starts for her at four in the morning and she yeah. would still come every week and like, you know, and submitted all this sure. great work and stuff. So, um, so one of the things that uh, one of the benefits of us going on zoom was that it really opened us up to a lot of people all over the place uh, which would not have happened um had we stayed live so uh um uh i'm grateful to zoom for that and i agree with you that zoom is zoom is not easily dismissible as a format for uh theater for narrative uh drama I feel that it is almost its own entity. It's still very strange. And in my opinion, uh, and I've had a great deal of experience with it by this point, but they're, you know, still very buggy. There's still things to be worked out. Um, and it is its own as an actor and even as a writer, it's its own can of worms. It's a weird hybrid of television and theater and, you know, it's got the live elements and, you know, do you use a background or do you just sit in your kitchen? Like, and I mean, just so many things to think about like that, that you would not think about on a live stage. So yeah, I, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say it's, I, I agree with you on all those things. And I've seen productions by, quote, major theaters, mm -hmm. right, where they have done productions 
and the backgrounds have shifted according to the perspective of who is in the scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, you're in a room or you're outside and all of a sudden you're looking at the ocean because you're, sta you're staring at one person who's, you know, facing inland and the opposite. Right. And the next, uh, the, the next person starts speaking, you see, you know, they're facing the ocean and you see the inland. Um, and I've seen things like that, but somewhere in the back of my head, and it's been two years now since COVID has refused to go away. And yeah. I'm thinking there's got to be some theatrical genius out there right now who is working on Zoom, the theatrical package, which is going to come in with all these beautiful, wonderful technical abilities to, I don't know, maybe pan, maybe uh, uh, switch backgrounds, maybe to program sound effects and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, I really do hope we go back to in-person all over the place. I mean, I would love for this whole thing to go away because uh, it's crimping my style. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the, I think it's given us the chance to expand the technology mm -hmm. a bit. Or there's also VR, you know, uh, which I'm surprised hasn't taken off more mm -hmm. than it has. I mean, yeah. particularly with this medium. One of the things in us going back live is I'm just hit with so many. I mean, it just... We went back live and suddenly I was in front of people for the first time in two years. And yeah, let's talk about this. I read a part and I read a part in front of people for the first time in two years. And it was so different that it shocked me. I thought, oh, this is just, you know, I've done this a billion times. This is, And it was, I, there's so many things that are so palpable. Um you know, one of the things that would happen if you were in a VR environment is that you would be able to get like, you would see everybody's whole body the same way that you would if you were watching them on stage. Yeah. Um, and uh, to me, the theatrical discipline from the point of view of an actor is that you have to be engaged, you know, your entire body has to be sort of consumed by the part that you're playing. And so you train in your voice and you do movement trainings so that you you become the character completely and thoroughly. That's not as necessary when you're on camera because you're only concerned with what the camera is seeing. Um, and sometimes if you do that on camera, it's too much. And um, Zoom, it can read as too much. You know, Zoom is this weird hybrid. So um, it's just the idea of just seeing what would uh, on camera be a long shot of people sitting together um, on a stage and reading um, or, or playing parts um, and uh, of hearing their voices. Uh, one thing that really, like, I swear this happened, I was watching a scene being read live and two people talked at the same time and my instinct was almost to stop them to be like hey, hey guys you can't do this at the because on zoom you can't have two people speaking at the same time I mean, you can do things with the original sound on and stuff but it was like i was like wow this is coming through really clear and then i realized that's because it's live <laughs> like i mean it, it, it's okay you can talk over each other and there's Remember no you live? know yes yeah and also the 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 uh inherent honesty of human speech patterns where you sort of interact uh, interact by overlapping each other and um, uh, comes across live in a way that it just can't on zoom zoom even if it's mm -hmm. if you try to do it and even if the original sounds on there's still from the point of view of an audience there's something Glitchy. almost like a yeah, uh, in almost a Brechtian awareness of like, oh, I'm I'm getting this through this medium because I'm I'm hearing interference. I'm you know, uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's they're, they're just everything is just as different as can be. Um, Which makes it tricky uh, for us as playwrights because now we want to write something where people are arguing or there's a confrontation or mm -hmm. you know a married couple that finishes each other's sentences. Mm -hmm. And overlapping dialogue? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got to avoid that. Well, yeah, I know. It's like we're going back to, like, you know, um, Ibsen scripts, which, I mean, I love Ibsen, but it's like, you know, the, 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 the lines would be written and there'd be a full stop, a sentence at the end of it. So it's like I've just given you the full line and then you give me the full line and then I give you the full line. And that there's a there's a sort of narrative logic to that but it doesn't really and I'm I know that Ibsen's translated but at least mm -hmm. in my reading of it it doesn't 
ever quite read as natural human speech as much as a lot of plays that are written currently where you see like you know uh, people now even will use that uh, forward slash, slash or the you know uh, to indicate like you know what actually you would hear if you did hear an argument like that and and that it would not be coherent and logical and it would not you would not be able to reach the end of your thought every time but the eventually whether you like it or not i've even noticed in my own writing zoom forces you to start using more periods <laughs> because uh if you don't finish the thought as an actor then it's the audience might think there's either a mistake or it you won't be cut off by the other person because they'll be afraid of it or they'll cut you off and there'll be some kind of electronic uh interference with it so it's a disconnect um, yeah it's a it's a disconnect but at the same time maybe that's not a bad thing um it's just to me i think um because i agree with you this is gonna i think zoom will continue and i yeah. think um there are things about zoom that are great i just think it's a new medium i think we're oh, yeah. watching the birth of a new of something that's a brand new way of getting across stuff and i think as writers in the same way that you have to think about writing a teleplay a screenplay and a play you're going to have mm -hmm. to start thinking about writing a zoom play as its own format um i think yeah. we will we're getting to that we'll get to that but you know um yeah so what's it like for tuesdays and i to go back live i mean again with people in front of you but all of a sudden now you've got the idea of the issue of something being transmitted between you all, and it's not just emotions or ideas, it's a bug. And people are in the same room. So I'm assuming folks are masked. I'm assuming you know, you're taking all the precautions you can. Um, a friend of mine, or I'm not, I'm not gonna mention their name, just caught COVID in Chicago. And you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, and I'm sure they're going to be fine, but they've been working lately, and I don't know how or where they managed to catch it, but it's still a reality. So what's it like being in a room with that kind of thing hanging over your heads? Can I address that? Yeah, please. So um, where we are right now, uh, the Annoyance Theater, they are requiring uh, that you are fully vaccinated, and that means vaccinated and boosted. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the situation that we are now, personally, I mean, Josh and Connie can feel differently. I feel that COVID's gonna be with us for a long time or forever. So at this point, I feel like people have been vaccinated, people have had it, people have been exposed to it. So. At one point, we have people that don't want to be exposed are going to have to take care of themselves and not show up. People who are afraid of people because people are out there and it's a bar. People are not masked. We are, you know, saying hi to people and hugging people. So right now, I feel like everybody is taking a risk who feels that they can afford to take a risk. And for me, I think that's a great thing because, you know, life is precious to be, you know, lived among other people, especially in the theater with the audience and everything. So I think for us, it feels um, more like back to normal and okay. Things might change because we have a new variant that we don't know anything about. So mm -hmm. if that becomes an issue, obviously we, we're probably not gonna be live anymore or we might, you know, wear masks. We don't know what's gonna happen. So I feel like we have to play it by ear. And I feel like everybody who's out there, who's enjoying the theater, feels a certain level of comfort uh, being out there and exposed. Because uh, at least here in Chicago, since they lifted the, the mask mandates, right. um, everybody's out in restaurants and, you know, it's like nothing ever happened. It's and there are a few people in our group who are not showing up because they are you know, concerned about catching sure, it yeah. because they have issues, health issues, and that's totally understandable. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think at this point, since, you know, we're all vaccinated and most of us have had it, I feel like people are uh, okay being out there and exposing themselves. I'm, I'm okay with it. Have any of you three had a bout of COVID yet? Yes. 
Uh, yeah, I, I had it terribly in December of 2020. Um, and I actually, I, I got uh, pneumonia uh, in both my lungs. I had to go to the emergency room. Oh so God. it was quite scary. Uh, this is something, this is an issue that I take very, very uh, seriously. And I, have, I watch the numbers every day. I watch everything. Um, uh, I... It's it's a concern, of course. It continues to be a concern. It is something that I am keeping my eye on. I do believe um, I've I've told people if you wish to wear a mask on stage, you are totally welcome to do so. We do, you know, uh, and we the the issue is masks on stage make things um, just for technical reasons. It's very art difficult to articulate through a mask and sure. to be heard um and, uh it is uh it, there is the possibility that if numbers rise to a degree um in chicago we will go back on to zoom um without question and in some ways i even expect that to happen i mean i know with the ba1 and the now there's the new ba12121 uh sub variant of ba2 and xe and there's all these variants running around uh i know that the possibility of uh of another wave coming is inevitable at some point um we are breaking for the summer um my hope now is that uh and we break for the summer uh we have a national episode uh which is going to be on zoom on may 24th my hope is that um by stopping in the middle of may um we will uh stop before uh, a, a wave hits um mm -hmm. but um uh right now there's um i knocking on wood because so far uh, and the annoyance is also great in terms of like you're not getting in unless you have your vaccine card there was a guy at the door who's like you're it's not they're they're really strict about it that so um so all of that's good but uh but yeah like patricia said it's a choice um and uh we do have people who are who do not want to participate because of the concern about it. And I completely yeah. and totally respect that choice. And uh, those people it can't be an went. Easy choice to make. It's not an easy choice to make. And I have made it known to everyone who has talked to me that when and if they ever feel safe, they are completely welcome that we are not, you know, mm -hmm. that we are, uh, we are just, we'll be thrilled to see them when we do. You know, um, but right now we have to respect everyone um, for whatever they uh, sure. feel in this uh, situation. So. We are humans and we have choice and we can't make everybody do the same thing. We can make recommendations and we can say this is probably what's best for everyone concerned. Of course. But what it comes down to is people are going to do what people are going to do. And right. we've all seen that and we can only hope that it works out for the best that we somehow manage to put this thing into a box and seal it up nice and tight and see where we go from there. Yeah. Um, right. I'd like to move on to something other than uh, 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 um, Tuesdays at nine for, for a moment, because I want to talk about each of you a little personally. I, I was doing a bunch of research as I usually do. And one of the things Connie's done, which I found really interesting, because I've toyed with the idea of doing this myself, but you've, you've actually gone and done this. You wrote, directed, and produced a web mini-series. Okay? Yes. Stormy Husky Brawling Show, um, which you can find on Facebook and YouTube. Um, what was that like? Because that's, I mean, putting together any kind of a show is a ton of work, and... Yeah, let's let's hear what's the show about, where to come from, and yeah, regalus. Okay, we were moving out of Zoom season with Tuesdays at Nine Chicago into the summer, and I wanted to create a project that could incorporate people who were still online with people who were able to meet in person. Mm -hmm. So it stems from the poem by Carl Sandburg, Chicago, and it happens very quickly. The episodes are written every week and cast every week. And those who were not willing to meet with me in person for the shoot would 
zoom in their performance. Those who wouldn't meet with us were vaccinated. And with each show, there's a kidnapping scene and the kidnapper wore a ski mask to serve as a face mask mm -hmm. so that they could safely touch each other for the kidnapping scene. The show ran for six or seven episodes. I had a wonderful time. I also wanted to collaborate with the people I had been meeting with on Zoom for so many months. Yeah. And I wanted to prove that I can produce efficiently as well as creatively when we were doing that hybrid thing where we were just starting to get out of Zoom, start to meet in person, start to appreciate our vaccines and move forward. That must have been a heck of a learning experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um... As you said before, you're an extrovert, and um, I'm seeing that uh, in addition to that, you, you also do outdoor public events. Um, yes. Kind of, who do you reach out to, and, 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 and what do you put together? Um, the most recent iteration of a public event has been writing pop-ups, and every day in the summer for 100 days, I publicize a public place to meet mm -hmm. and you meet, you get a prompt if you want it, you write and you share and you call it a day. I did that during the pandemic and social distanced and we were still wearing masks outside at that time to prove that you can still write, meet, create safely. Yeah. So that's what that was about. I do silent writing hikes where we meet at a forest preserve that is completely silent. I know of one. And you take that time for introspection, come back, and then I have my road recorder and I record poetry or prose based on what just happened in the woods. Cool. You must get some interesting stuff out of that. I get some great stuff. I get some great stuff. Yeah, I'm always interested in, in the prompts. I mean... Where do, where do the ideas come from? Um, but how do you make the ideas happen? Because you sit around and you wait for them. And, eh, it's not always the best sort of thing, but you seem like... I guess... Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. You said I seem like... Oh, sorry. A, a, another uh, thing of Zoom here, you know, it, it tends to do that. Um, <laughs> no, it just seems it's... You're taking steps to make the creativity happen. Right. Yes, I am fanatical about it. Some people have a different calling to health or religion, and mine is definitely to creating new work every day. That's amazing. That's, that's Thank you. Yeah. Um, as a writer, I'm dedicated to creating new work every day. Most of that sits, sit, consists of me sitting around looking at the computer going, oh, for God's sakes, will you just write something? <laughs> Help. Um, but there's no telling where you get the inspiration from. I think it's, at least from my perspective, it's more or less being open to whatever hits you. Um, yes. And you, you are, of course, a playwright. So, you know, it's, uh, it seems to be working for you. That's great. Thank you, George. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you've had your material done by Tuesdays at night? Yes. Cool. What's it like hearing your work on stage like that? It's like falling in love. It's really a wonderful place to be. And Josh said earlier that it's like a party atmosphere, but it's actually very centered and intelligent and visceral. And it's just a very safe place. Mm -hmm. I'm an outdoor girl, but theater makes me feel like I'm in nature. And the Annoyance Theater and Bar isn't nature, but it feels that way. It feels very healthy. Hearing anybody read anything I've written is a huge benefit to my writing process. Sure. I freaking love it. And I highly recommend it. I, I love the way you immediately said it's like falling in love. Cause I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I to totally get that. Yeah. George, you have to come to Chicago because you will fall in love once a week. It, it, something happens where you just break open inside and it's absolutely addictive, but in a healthy way. I would love And to. you can have a drink. <laughs> there you go. You just bought me. Right? There we go. <laughs> Terrific. Um, cool. Patricia, you've got something going on the side here, which as, as I've been, since I've read about it, I've been dying to talk to you about this. You have your own company, 
which specializes, well, it's called Clean Beauty Chicago, right? All yes. natural, cruelty-free, vegan products. Please talk to me about this. Yeah, I have a lot of projects on the side. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, one of those multi-passionate people. Um, so obviously besides, you know, uh, theater uh, Tuesdays, I'm also an actor. I do commercials. I'm auditioning all the time. When we get off here, I have to do a self-tape audition for uh, uh, Chewy, for a commercial, for a <laughs> dog, uh, like a dog podcast that helps people um, take care of their pets. And so it's like tips and um, things on how to take care of your pet using their Chewy products, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I'm doing all that. I, you know, I'm actively uh, trying to act and get parts and all that. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm going to interrupt you for one second because how do you prep for a Chewy ad? Well, you just uh, set up your phone there as I have it set up <laughs> on my little light, you know, yeah, and uh, I memorize the lines, grab my, this one, I'm supposed to have a dog, but my dog is no longer with us. So I have oh. Jasper who's going to uh, play the part of the dog. And we're gonna sit on the couch and we're gonna just read the lines. And Jasper's a cat. Okay. Yes, Jasper's a cat, and we're gonna submit it to my agent. So that's you know, these are the things that we have been doing. Um, thanks to uh, actually, thanks to COVID, we'll be able to start self-submitting our things, which is kind of nice because now you can participate in different productions in different parts of the country. So that's been uh, kind of good. So I'm still you know actively. Uh, trying to land parts and commercials and all that. Um, I'm also uh, a personal trainer. I'm a certified uh, personal trainer with a specialization in nutrition by ISSA. And I also have my uh, company, uh, which is a, a makeup company. We do mostly weddings and events and galas, um, small uh, production events as well, like uh, shoots uh, for, you know, for some video shoots for personal branding and headshots for their own uh, calendars, uh, not calendars, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, my brain is a little slow, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's a Zoom thing, I think. My I want to talk about the products. I mean, they're all natural, but... And they, they contain words that go right to my heart, cruelty-free, because animal testing has always been, in my mind, a capital crime. Um, yeah, so Josh and I are both 100% uh, vegan. We don't support any industries that uh, are cruel to animals, okay. including products, obviously. Um, so there are a lot of companies out there uh, that have jumped on the on the cruelty-free wagon so it's uh it's not very difficult to find great pro quality products uh that are not tested on animals and are 100 percent uh, vegan as well mm -hmm. um so i use you know um a bunch of different companies uh one of my favorites is a company from uh, canada called Cosmic Tree Essentials. They have really great products. There's another company that I love that's more known to uh, consumers. It's called Pacifica. And I mean, there are so many companies, but uh, Essence is a company that has a lot of vegan products. And a lot of the mainstream uh, companies as well uh, have realized that there's a lot of money to be made and people are, uh, now that you, you know that the, this cruelty happens and, you know, people are starting to feel guilty about it and they are, they are expecting products to be cruelty-free. So it's becoming, you know, it's, it's uh, veganism and cruelty-free mm -hmm. living is becoming more and more of a mainstream um, lifestyle because of knowledge, because of social media, because of, you know, yeah. Uh, being able to see what's happening. And once you see all that, you can't unsee it, right? So when you see that cruelty, it's hard to justify your behaviors. Uh, 
so getting people to see the cruelty that's the hard part right yeah so you know a lot of people choose not to see it because that way they can go on with their cruel life exactly (laughs) you know it's a lot more convenient uh but unfortunately we have access to it so you know so if you know better you can do better so yeah I would like and, to see the companies just make the decision that it's the wrong thing to do rather than, oh, we can make money by calling it cruelty-free. Yes. Well, you know, there is definitely money to be made. And unfortunately, the world, uh, the world revolves around money. So if they feel like they can have a, make a profit on this industry, they are going to go cruelty-free, which I don't care the reasons why they do it as long as they do it because that benefits with the environment and benefits yeah. the animals, you know, so. Yeah, I'll well, go with that, sure. Yeah, absolutely. also good for your health. So there's many, many benefits. I don't care why they do it. Um, but, you know, we don't support anything that um, causes oh. suffering to animals. So. Yeah, good for you. That's that's an amazing <laughs> stand to take. And I stand behind you a thousand percent on, on this. Josh, I'm doing in, I was doing research on you and I always read personal artistic statements, mm-hmm. um, theatrical theaters, mission statements, they generally don't thrill me as much, but I'd like to see what the person says about themselves and about their craft. And usually it's half a page of things about me and what I believe and mm-hmm. This is the way I see life, and this is how I interpret it, and which is all wonderful stuff because it opens it up. Yours basically said, write what scares you, and that was it. It was one <laughs> sentence, right? Um, and in more than one sentence, please, what scares you as a writer? Well, I mean, first, thank you for reading that. I think you're the only person that actually has my mission statement on the NPX. <laughs> I was talking specifically to you, George. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, well, I took it personal. Uh, <laughs> it got through. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so at Naked Angels, um, I started a thing, um, and it's something that we have unique to Chicago uh, because I started it. It's not on their national agenda necessarily, but I was just this uh, some something I called the bottom drawer policy, which is um, we try to encourage all of the writers there to bring in material that not the material that they might necessarily have won awards or accolades mm-hmm. for or something that has been produced to acclaim. We think it's great that you've written that, but what's the point in us reading it in a cold reading environment? It makes no sense. What we are much more interested in is the thing that is sitting in your bottom drawer because you are terrified that your spouse or significant other is going to see it or that your uh, family is going to find out that you wrote it and that you know, you're know you terrified that the world will know that you created this thing. Um, that interests us. Uh, we are also interested in, you know, in terms of writing what scares you. Uh, maybe you've gone, you've, you're in the middle of writing something and you feel like it's not ready to be put in front of an audience and uh, I'm just awful. I have no talent. I can't believe how bad this is and I'm struggling through it. We're also interested in that because uh, a lot of the times you're wrong. A lot of the times when you think that, you know, this is really terrible, actually there's a reason why you feel compelled to keep writing it. But to speak more to your question about that, I believe the things that interest me as an artist and the things that interest me um as a writer, but also as a purveyor of other people's work, of plays, you know, are the times when something is put in front of me that appears to be an act, not to entertain me so much, although that's a huge element of it, Mm -hmm. but almost of madness, that it was written because it had to be written. Not because the person wanted a claim or because they were trying to get it right or put it together in the appropriate three-act structure or make sure that there was an inciting event at the end of Act One, but because 
it was so deeply embedded in them that they it needed to come out and it needed to come out in this way doing that as a writer writing viscerally from that sense is terrifying it's it's terrifying it's terrifying to trust yourself it's tearing to to, to Trust yourself over pre-established structures, over logic, over the left-brained editor who's screaming at you not to do this, um, and to still put it on the page. Um, it means taking a risk, but risks have enormous payoff once they come through. And to me, the greatest works of art are those works of art that seem to do that, that seem to speak to us directly and viscerally in that way. Um, and uh, that is what we're trying to encourage. That's sort of the basis of why, you know, we just say uh, philosophically at Naked Angels of Chicago, we want you to take risks. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because we believe in risk. We also believe in the importance of failure because a lot of the times you do that and then you fail miserably. And uh, uh, I have said several times, if you don't bring in at least one piece, if you're a writer who's brought in a bunch of stuff and at least one of them doesn't suck, you're not doing your job. Like you should be pushing yourself mm -hmm. um, to the point where you fall down. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to grow. You're not going to, you know, you're not. Uh, so, um, yeah, I... I just, I would much rather see something that was wild and out there and I wasn't really sure even if it made sense, but it just had that, that, that kind of thrust behind it. I would much rather see that than see sort of a pat piece of writing that had a beginning and middle in it and, and, and was neatly and well done. Um, that, that's my own feeling, so that's what I mean by that no, mostly. I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. I'd rather see the stuff that makes me change my status quo abruptly. Um, meaningfully uh, giving me write the stuff that needs to be written that not everybody else is writing about give me something that's that's nesting in the, in, in the back of your psyche that's trying to break out because it needs to be expressed we're all human and there's a lot of parts of our humanity that are just gooey and icky and but that's yes. where theater comes in yeah, I think you have to you have to walk into the dark with your eyes wide open as a writer. Yeah. You have to you have to be very very brave, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, like you said, uh, I think that there is a mistaken notion that I have bumped into throughout my life. I I believe it's mistaken personally. It's not always mistaken because I believe that because I'm wrong ninety percent of the time. But but um, that art has to be beautiful or that it has to be quote unquote enjoyable. I have a terrible time with this word enjoy uh, because enjoy means to me, I had, I, 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 I liked your piece in a sort of detached way that was not harmful to myself. And to me, um, it should be that uh, rather than uh, that, that uh, what we are trying to do is depict the, the rawness of humanity mm -hmm. in all of its ugliness in all of it that it's stripped down it's like the the great acting that you saw that came up in the 1950s and after the group theater and with the actor studio and all that where suddenly you saw people who were not so polished it was the opposite of the kind of mm -hmm. Gilgudian olivier sure. polish it was like instead it was stripped down bare and raw that is what appeals to me um, is the uh, is the essence of what the, the human it is to be human in all of its ugly messiness and terribleness, especially now because there's so much terribleness to go around. But, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. It's uh, this has been I've loved every second of this, every syllable. This is wonderful. I, I want to keep inviting you guys back week after week, like you. Uh, back week after thank week. you. Um, thank you. And yes, I would love to come to Chicago. And uh, yes, Connie, you're definitely buying me a drink. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as the last thing, just where we can find out more about uh, Naked Angels and Tuesday at Night. Uh, go to nakedangels.com, um, and that will give you the national uh, Naked Angels website. Uh, for Tuesdays at 9 Chicago, just do a search for Tuesdays at 9 Chicago on, uh, but I believe it's Naked Angels Chicago 1 on Instagram. 
because believe it or not, somebody had taken Naked Angels Chicago already. So we're Naked Angels Chicago one. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm terrified. If you want to get onto our uh, mailing list, uh, all you have to do is just uh, DM me on uh, either Instagram or, or DM us on either Instagram or on uh, Facebook, and uh, we will add you to a list where you will get a weekly newsletter that'll let you know what's going on. Sounds beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, George. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes and Spotify. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or know of someone in the theater who'd make some seriously good chat, by all means, send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again for listening. And please, stay safe. Be careful not only for yourself, but for those with whom we all share this rock. And as always, happy theatering to all of you. <laughs>